Well, good morning, Celebration Church, Appleton, Stevens Point. Good to have you here in Green Bay, everyone online. If we could all just stand up wherever you are at together. And as Celebration Church, let's all say this. This is who we are. This is what we believe here at Celebration Church. Let's all join together. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good to have everyone with us today. My name is Bob, one of the pastors at Celebration Church. Uh, pastor Mark, our lead pastor, uh, we gave him a month off in January. And for February and most of March, he's been traveling like crazy. He's been around the globe and back and around the globe again. Uh, this morning, he is in South Africa and... Uh, preaching down there, and so we have the joy of joining up with him. So wherever you are at, could we all just put our hands together, welcome each other, and welcome Pastor Mark here today. Well, good morning. You may be seated. You're already seated. But from here, look at people who are standing. Anyway, wasn't that music awesome? Oh, man. I want to uh, give a shout out to our churches in uh, uh, Wisconsin, uh, back at Celebration Church, our campuses in Green Bay, Stevens Point, and Appleton, they are actually joining us via video this morning. So we're talking all around the world this morning. Kind of exciting, and uh, I'm glad that you guys could join with us. I'll be with you guys again uh, next weekend, and uh, we've been here in uh, South Africa uh, doing conferences and speaking at various different churches about love and marriage, and uh, you just missed... One of the coolest blues renditions <laughs> of a song I've ever heard in church. It was amazing. Uh, and I don't know why I'm bringing it up because you can't hear it anyway. So, <clears throat> this morning I want to talk to you uh, uh, about love, okay? And I want to ask a very simple question, which is, what is love? Now, in the movie uh, Forrest Gump, he has a very famous line where he says, I may not be a smart man. But I know what love is. And at some level, that's probably true. That at a very basic level, love is very simple to comprehend. But at its fullness, love is a little bit complicated. It has a lot of angles and aspects to it that uh, we sometimes miss. Now, we know that we are instructed to walk in love as believers. Jesus said, this is how the whole world will know you are my disciples when you love one another. We are called to love one another. We're challenged to love one another. We're reminded if we don't love one another, we can't possibly love God. So there's a lot of weight on that. And of course, couples, married couples in homes, should certainly be walking in love. Easy to say that we walk in love, but what is love? I want to take a look at it real quick this morning. The ultimate definition is found in 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. This is known as the love chapter, often read at weddings and things. Let's take a look at it. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 
4 through 7, it says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Now, the thing is, these words go flying by really fast. And it doesn't really hit us and sink in, because we don't have time to really reflect on what is being said as you read through those words very quickly. So this morning, I want to uh, take a close look at these words, and I'm going to use something that isn't used very often uh, anymore. It's called a dictionary. And uh, we're simply going to look at the dictionary definitions of what these words mean. So let's take a look at it. And then as we do this, reflect. Am I really walking in love with the people closest to me and associates in church, uh, in my family? So, number one, he says, love is patient. What is patient? According to the dictionary, patient is bearing or enduring pain or trouble without complaining or losing (laughs) self-control. Many of us fail already at the beginning here. Uh, He also goes on to say, the dictionary says, patience is refusing to be provoked or angered as if by insult. Now, again, hard not to do. So why do people provoke me? I don't know. It's life. We live in a fallen world. If there's one thing that's going to happen is people are going to provoke you. Oftentimes, the closest people will provoke you. Your family members, your husband, your wife, certainly your in-laws. And they like to provoke because they know our buttons, right? The closer you get to somebody, the the more they know the buttons they can push that'll set you off. And if we're getting set off, we're not really walking in love because love, according to Paul, is first and foremost patient. And he says love is kind. Well, that one's easy to understand. Kind is the possession of sympathetic or generous qualities. In a nutshell, just be nice. Be nice. We're called to be nice. Everybody say, be nice. Be nice. We're called to be nice. You say, Pastor, are you always nice? No. <laughs> Why do you talk about it all the time? Well, because it's important. We need to teach the truth, even if we don't always hold up to the truth. Somebody say, Amen. amen. Our failures do not lower God's standard, which a lot of people try to do today. Here's God's standard, and because we fail, many people are now trying to lower the standard. We need to lower God's standard. And that's not the answer. Because God's standard is always up here. What we have to make up the difference, thank God, is grace. Which we were just singing about. That grace that picks us up when we fall short. But we don't cut short uh, the standard. We need to be kind to people. Because that's what love is. Just very sympathetic and generous towards people. The next one he says is love does not envy. What does it mean to envy? It means to feel ill will, jealousy, or discontent at another person's possession of something that one keenly desires to have or achieve for oneself. Now, we are taught very early in the Bible against envying. Moses brought us these words, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, goods, or anything That is thy neighbors. And the truth is, if you really love people, you rejoice when they're blessed. If you find yourself being envious or angry because someone else is blessed more than you're blessed, you are not walking in 
love, because love does not envy. And the Bible really teaches us to be content. Be content with what you have. Be content with where you're at in life. Don't live in the world of I'd rather be. Oh, if I only had this. Oh, if I was only over there. If I, I can be happy if only I had a nicer car. If I only had a nicer house, Pastor. I, I can't be happy unless something... If something has to change before you can be happy, you're not understanding this. The joy of knowing Christ is we can be happy regardless of our circumstances. Uh, Paul wrote about this. He says, I've learned the secret. Have you learned the secret? He says, I learned the secret to be content no matter what my circumstances. See, that's hard for us because we think we can't be happy until our circumstances change. But no, we need to just enjoy what we have, where we're at, uh, and be content. Don't think something has to change. Oh, if this hadn't happened, if that would have happened, if I hadn't married that idiot, married the other idiot, something would be better. But then you're just chasing, chasing in circles. Learn to be happy. I've told my congregation many times, uh, learn to enjoy life. Enjoy the road that you're on. Smell the roses. Enjoy the scenery. Enjoy the road you're on. It might be a dead end. People would ask me, Pastor, how will I know when you get to the end? If it's a dead end, turn around, go another way. Don't freak out and panic. All right? Don't envy what other people have and think you need it to be happy as well. And again, the first part of this, Moses says, thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's wife. When one feels an overwhelming desire to have someone else's spouse, someone else's husband, someone else's wife, it is not love. And the reason I point that out is because a lot of times people get caught up in affairs and stuff and they know it's not right, but their excuse is, but we fell in love. First of all, you don't really fall in love, you fall in the toilet, but you don't fall in love. And, and if you are taking someone else's spouse and you're deceiving yourself thinking, well, it's because we fell in love. The Bible says love does not envy. Love does not try to take something of somebody else. I'm not sure what exactly it is you think you're feeling if you're in a place like that this morning, but I can guarantee you it's not love and you need to take care. That's why most affairs end badly. Then the Bible says, love does not boast. What does it mean to boast? It means proclaiming one's superiority in an insolent or overbearing way. For example, I'm smarter than you. I'm more educated than you. I'm prettier than you. I'm more successful than you. I make more money than you. I work harder than you. I come from a better family than you because your family is nuts. Now, here's the thing about those statements. They're usually true. <laughs> they are. It's pretty easy to figure out you make more money than other people. It's pretty easy to look and say, I got a higher degree of education than other people. I'm more skillful than someone else. You know, almost all of these statements are true. True, that's the odd thing about it, but we're not supposed to be sticking it in people's faces. If you are sticking your status in someone else's face, you are not walking in love. This next one's kind of tied to it. He says, love is not proud. What does it mean to be proud? To take one's station or rank 
and display it in scorn of those one considers beneath one. <laughs> uh, people who don't understand true authority and leadership do this all the time. You know, they'll make a stand. You know, well, I'm in charge of this department. Sometimes you get that even in churches. You know, I'm in charge of this ministry. As soon as somebody disagrees with us, you know, we pull the card, the right card. I'm in charge. Not supposed to do that. Love doesn't do that. I'm a board member of this congregation. You know. I'm the boss of this business. By the way, the worst bosses in the world are the ones that have to remind everyone they're the boss. <laughs> have you noticed that? The best leaders never have to pull that card. The best leaders never have to declare, I'm in charge. If you have to declare you're in charge to get your way, you're a very poor leader. You're not leading, you're not inspiring, and you're walking in a bit of insecurity, to say the least. You know, I went to college, you didn't. I have an advanced degree. Uh, even spiritually, you know, I pray three hours every day. Well, that's great. Pray for me. <laughs> I can't stay awake that long. <laughs> Three hours, wow. I'm the pastor. I'm an elder, I'm a deacon. Here's one that happens a lot in homes. When the man has to proclaim proudly and with intensity that I'm the head of the home. If you need to proclaim you're the head of the home, you're being a lousy head of the home. Somebody say amen. amen. Well, it's true. It's not the point. The point is you're not supposed to be insolent about it. You're not supposed to be proud about it. And again, oftentimes the only reason a man pulls that card is because he can't get his way. Amen. Thank you very much. You shouldn't be doing that, pulling rank. The kind of proud that we're talking about is taking your position and reminding others that they don't measure up. Here's a good one. Love does not dishonor others. What does it mean to dishonor? It means to treat disrespectfully or to insult. Now, respect is kind of an interesting thing because there is this element where we say, you have to earn respect. And in a certain degree, that's true. But in another way, it's really not true at all. Uh, for example, there are offices, there are positions that are held that are to be treated with respect separate from the person who actually holds the office. Uh, anyone who's ever been in the military knows this. You might have a superior uh, officer who you are convinced is a complete idiot. And in point of fact, may be a complete idiot. But you have to respect the office. Same with politicians, right? I mean, <laughs> you know, I know you guys have your problems, but look at ours. I mean, we got, all, we got all kinds of issues in our country with politicians, and most of them are crazy as a bat. And while I understand in a democratic society we have the right to complain and bellyache and vote against them and to criticize and stuff. But at some point, as people of faith, we need to be careful. We need to still respect the office. Somebody say amen. 
You know, even if a politician is a complete, someone you totally disagree with, when they walk in the room, you should stand, respect them. Yes, sir. No, sir. This kind of thing. Because they deserve the respect for no other reason than they hold the office. This is actually true, uh, biblically speaking. You know, we're supposed to respect one another. Husbands and wives are supposed to respect each other. Why? For no other reason than they're your husband or your wife. Well, they don't earn it today. They don't deserve it. No, 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 no. It's not about earning it. It's about respect, respecting the office. You know, we don't get that much in Western culture. Uh, Eastern culture understands that much more. For example, in Eastern cultures, they have kings and stuff. Now, a king is a king whether he is a great king or he is a pig of a king. Doesn't matter. He is the king and is treated with great respect. See, uh, Western culture doesn't understand it because we think everybody has to earn respect first. And uh, it's, just, it's just not really true. Again, from a certain level, it's true. I understand. But at some point, you need to respect. Stop and think about it. It was wise men from the East who came to worship a child. Now, we would never have wise men from the West. First of all, I don't think we have any. They're crazy politicians usually. But, uh, a wise man from the West come in and we walk in and here's this little kid. So, well, I'm not going to worship him. He's still pooping his pants for heaven's sakes. You know, when he, when he accomplishes something, let us know. Then we'll be back, right? That's the way we think. But not the wise men from the East because they understood respect based on the office. This child is the Messiah, the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and grown men, wealthy, powerful men, bowed down and paid reverence to a child who hadn't accomplished anything yet. Why? Because they understood the power of respect. We need to respect each other. Don't just be dissing your husband or your wife because you don't think they earn it. That's not the point. The point is that love treats respectfully. And if you're not treating respectfully, it's just a sign that you are, in fact, not walking in love. Here's one. Love is not self-seeking. What does it mean to self-seek? It means to bend one's efforts toward themselves. <laughs> Which I do all the time. <laughs> hard not to do that, right? Nobody, it's hard not to, Go after your own interests and stuff. But you got to be careful. If everything that you do in your interactions with people is to bend everything to your own benefit, you are not walking in love. And it won't be long before people won't want to be around you, quite frankly. You know. By the way, people often complain that everybody hates them. If everybody hates you, it's you. All right? So... <laughs> Now, some people have, but I have people who hate me. But I got people who love me too, so it balances out. But you know, if everybody can't stand you, you're the problem. There's people they can't get along with anybody. They're mad at everybody all the time. They're mad at their in-laws, mad at their children, mad at this, mad at that, mad at the government, mad at everybody all the time. Always mad at the pastor, people in the church, always angry. So, man, if, if everybody, you're the problem. Need to relax a little bit. Don't try to always turn everyone's, all efforts toward yourselves. That's why nobody likes you. Here's one. 
Love is not easily angered. Now what does it mean to be angered? Anger is a feeling of displeasure resulting from injury, mistreatment, or opposition. And usually showing itself in a desire to fight back at the supposed cause of this feeling. Now here's the thing about anger. It doesn't say love doesn't get angry. It just says it's not easily angered. Sometimes you just get mad. Even if you love people. You got children? <laughs> they can make you mad. <laughs> if you're married, that'll make you mad. All kinds of people can make you mad. Look, it's okay to get mad. What he's saying here is love doesn't do it easily. It doesn't fly off the handle. If you are easily always provoked, if having to walk around you is like walking on eggshells and everybody's afraid to say anything around you, you're not walking in love. You should be able to withstand a certain amount of slings and arrows into your life without going off and yelling and screaming all the time. Now again, everybody gets mad. Even the Bible acknowledges, the New Testament acknowledges, it's okay to get angry. Paul said, get angry and do not sin. <laughs> well, that's the challenge, right? Because when we get angry, we want to punch somebody in the face. But, and we want to get mean. But don't do that. And don't get uh, easily angered. Uh, Paul actually said, don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Which is why I prefer to get angry at night. Gives me a good 24 hours to <laughs> rant and rail. <laughs> but the point of it is get over it. You can get mad, but get over it. Relax, calm down, take a breath. And don't go flying off the handle easily because that is in fact a sign that you're not walking in love. Here's an important one. Love keeps no record of wrongs. What does it mean to record something? The dictionary says it means to make a permanent or official note of. Boy, some people are really bad at this. They keep a detailed record of every transgression ever done to them since the womb. And they remember everything and they record it. I remember it was October 25th, 2003. Wind was out of the south about four miles per hour. You know, and you said I was fat. You know, I mean, they, they got it down. They remember everything about it. Don't do that. Keep a short memory. Let that stuff go. Don't be writing everything down and recording it. Because when you're recording and remembering transgressions, you're not walking in love. My parents, God bless them, they were highly entertaining people. <laughs> A little nuts. <laughs> Ran in the family. <laughs> but uh, uh, my parents, for quite a few years, could not stand each other. I mean, they're, they're both gone now. Terrorizing people in heaven, I'm sure, at this moment. But, uh, but they, they would go at each other. Man. And talk about keeping a record of wrongs. And just all the time, just like two cats. Somebody stepping on their tails and just... And for decades, this went on. It was rather upsetting to the rest of us uh, because they were just so intense. And uh, it got bad. We actually thought at one point they were going to end in divorce. Uh, I'll never forget how upsetting that was, even to an adult child. 
You can imagine how difficult that is for very young children. But uh, something happened to my parents uh, as they crossed in from their 60s into their 70s. They, they both got dementia. And uh, we would come to visit them and they would be holding hands <laughs> and flirting with each other and kissing each other. And we're thinking, who are you people? <laughs> What'd you do with my parents? But the thing was, they became so nice because they couldn't remember they hated each other. Man, don't be like that. Is that what it's going to take? Nobody wants to get dementia. Is that what God has to allow to happen in someone's life? To forget all the evils that have been done to them? Man, I don't want it. I don't want my head to go loose like that. I, I want to keep sound mind. I don't want to have to be in a place like that before I can be nice to someone because I can't remember how mean they were to me. Keep a very short record because real love keeps no record of wrongs. It says that love does not delight in evil. What does it mean to delight? To be highly pleased. If you're highly pleased when something goes wrong with somebody, that's not good. Okay. Now, sometimes it's hard not to because some people, quite frankly, have it coming. You know what I'm saying? But we need to be careful not to react in that way because love does not rejoice in bad things. It rejoices with the truth. Glad, happy, delighted when things go well for people, even if it's not going well for you. Love, he writes, always protects. What does that mean? Protect means to shield from injury, danger, or loss. We're supposed to protect the people closest to us. And I've spoken many times, as our church knows about this, uh, in, in your home, particularly for men, you're supposed to protect your family. Now, it doesn't mean just have a big stick and, uh, you know, hit an intruder as they come in. Or where I'm from, Wisconsin, everybody has guns. <laughs> Blam, hello. <laughs> And uh, it's, uh, it's everywhere. It's quite entertaining, actually. But uh, the uh, idea is we're supposed to protect our family. It doesn't mean just shooting intruders or taking a bat to intruders. It means we're supposed to protect them in all ways, particularly emotionally and spiritually. Now, what I'm talking about is this. The propensity of so many men, and sometimes women will join in in this, is in front of their children to puke out every fear and insecurity they have. Don't do that. Well, I don't know what's going to happen. We're going to, I'm going to lose my job. And I don't know how we're going to pay the bills. And I don't know. They don't go through the worst case scenarios. They're traumatizing their children. Don't do that. Be a man. Grow a pair. Somebody say amen. Well, I got to talk. No, 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 no. You protect. Love protects. Don't be taking all your fears and insecurities. You got a lot of fear and insecurity? Pray. Talk with a pastor. Get some other guys and you can pray things through. But don't just be taking all the problems and troubles that you're facing and blowing this out in front of your family. That is not love. Love protects. The Bible says love always trusts. Trust is a firm belief in, or confidence in the honesty, integrity, and reliability of another person. That's a little hard. There's always, always an element of faith there. But uh, 
That's what love does. Love always hopes. What is hope? Hope is a feeling or expectation that what is wanted is going to happen. Now, the English language changes all the time. And, you know, it used to be that bad was bad, but now if you're really bad, you're, you're good. I mean, it's all confusing. There are always words changing all the time. The word hope has become more like the word wish. You know what I'm saying? You know, you think that's going to happen? Oh, I hope so. Oh, you have no confidence that's going to happen. You're just wishing. Oh, I hope, you know. But that's not what biblical hope is. Hope isn't wishing something's going to happen. Hope is absolutely confident that what you're hoping for is going to happen. That's what we have as Christians. We have the glorious hope within us. The blessed hope. Why? That all of this stuff that we're doing, all the worship we do, all the investments we make in the kingdom of God, this is, I wish is going to work out someday. We're doing this because we have a blessed hope. We know that we know that what we are hoping for is going to come to pass. It's called faith. Love has that kind of hope where you're not just wishing things work out, but you know that they will because you're walking in love. And then finally, love always perseveres. To persevere means to continue in some effort or course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. And that's a challenge. I don't know about you Africans, but in America, as soon as we encounter opposition, we like to give up. We want to quit, take an easier path. I think a lot of people get caught up in that sort of thing, but love doesn't do that. When things get really, really hard, <clears throat> is not the time to give up. Why? Because love perseveres. It presses forward no matter what. Now, as a preacher, uh, it's really easy to talk about how we don't quite measure up and just make everybody feel guilty. <laughs> the truth is, when I was working on this, it was very painful because I was guilty of about 90% of all of these things. And I thought, oh man, I need, I need to reevaluate my own heart because I'm not walking in love like I should. So the, the goal here isn't to make people feel bad <clears throat> so that you'll try harder. That's not the point. The point is, if going through a list like this, you go, you know, I, I'm not measuring up. I'm really not walking in love. Okay, fine. Well, what's the answer to that? That's what I want to finish up with very quickly. Well, Paul said in Galatians that the fruit of the Spirit, the very first fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. It's a natural thing. Uh, you have fruit trees in Africa. There's fruit trees everywhere. Where I come from, it's so cold, everything dies. Which is nice because all the bugs, we don't have any poisonous anything up where I live because it kills everything. It's so cold. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> I'm going back to the cold very shortly. But uh, uh, fruit trees are everywhere. Here's the thing about a fruit tree. It doesn't try to have fruit. Not one fruit tree around here is working intensely going. <clears throat> fruit happens naturally. Now, if it's not happening naturally, it just means the environment's not quite right. Because if it's in a healthy environment, a fruit tree will always bring forth fruit. If it's not bringing forth fruit, you don't yell at the tree. You don't beat the tree with a stick. Get frustrated with the tree and turn your back and quit talking to them. No, you got to improve the environment. If you look at this list this morning and as I did look at it and went, oh boy, I need some work in this area. The answer isn't to try harder or to be more intense or to beat yourself up. 
It's just a sign that maybe your fruit tree needs a little better environment, a little more uh, fertilizer, the right temperatures, you know, a little bit more time in prayer, a little more time in devotion, uh, making sure you get rid of things that are hurting the tree and getting in the way of its growth. Because the reality is, while we fall short, and the answer, of course, of Christian is, for a Christian is first and foremost to ask for forgiveness, and thank God that there's always forgiveness when we fall short. But the answer is, if you fall short this morning, much like I fall short, the answer is to improve the environment. Get focused on what we need. Make sure that we're doing the right things, reading our Bibles, praying, being in the right environment, getting rid of things that are sucking the spiritual life out of us. Because I promise you, if you just get the environment right, the most natural thing in the world for you will be to pop out fruit. And the first fruit is love. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your truth. Lord, it's a little painful sometimes to look at these things and not come away with a sense that we are falling short. Certainly in my own life, I have not been walking in as much love as I should have should be. I've been awfully busy for the last three months, lots of traveling, going here and there across the world three different times. And yeah, it kind of takes its toll. And one of the things I noticed as I'm going through this, that yeah, I'm not walking in love like I should be. And I thank you for forgiveness for those of us who fall short. But Lord, help us to realize the answer isn't to be more intense or to beat ourselves up, but to get to a place of health again, to get a good environment. Help us to do the right spiritual things, the right spiritual practices, because we know that when we're healthy, fruit comes naturally. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much, Mark. Thank you so much.